Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. So I'm glad that y'all are able to be here today. My name is Julie Dillon. I am from Gainesville, Florida. My husband is the college minister there, and um, my parents actually grew up in the Oklahoma area. Um, this is where my dad's from, so I always love getting back to, um, whenever I'm able to to get to come back to Tulsa. It's always a blessing to be able to see um, friends and family. So um, that also makes our time together that much more special. Uh, today we're going to be talking about how to have a life-changing quiet time. And um, if y'all go ahead and join me in prayer um, before we start. Dear Lord, thank you so much for um, all of these people in this room, Lord. I thank you for um, the mighty body of Christ that um, that we are a part of, Lord. And I just pray that you will um, speak your words today, that you will touch each of our hearts, and that you would um, just give us the things that you want us to meditate on and take with us um, as we leave here so that we can apply it to our lives, Lord, and that we can be... Um, mighty men and women for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, like newborn babes, desire pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. In the Old Testament, it tells us to taste that the Lord is good. Here it's showing us that the Lord is good. They have tasted it. And so um, this desire, some versions it says crave. It um, means not just that we want something. It means that you know we crave it with all of our being. We long for it. We have to have it. And it says, from that desire of that, of that pure spiritual milk, that we will be able to grow up in our faith. So this tells us that the word of God is what helps us to grow in our faith. And um, it is the most important thing that we can do in studying God's word to become more mature. And so this is how we're going to move farther away from the darkness and more into his light. This is how we're going to be able to show people what that um, mighty light is by knowing the word of God and being able to point others to what he says. Now, all of you are in this room. That shows me you have the desire to know God. But we also have to have the discipline in order to do that. Um, 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 7, it says, Discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. And in some versions, the New King James Version, it says to exercise yourself towards godliness. If any of you have ever been an athlete or if you've ever studied music or anything like that, you know the amount of time that that goes into training. It's not like when you're going to the gym and you're just going to work out for half an hour or an hour and you just do it a couple of times a week. It's something that you're devoted to. You're continually practicing. You're focused on. If it's a sport, you're focused on what you're eating. You know, you're focused on the things outside of when you're not even busy with that. Um, so that's something that um, you know we have to be mindful of. We have to have the desire, and we have to have the discipline. So, what is a spiritual discipline? It is a habit or regular pattern in your life that repeatedly brings you back to God and opens you up to what God is saying about you. Now, some examples of spiritual disciplines are um, community, prayer, journaling, Bible study, confession, fasting, worship, solitude, keeping a budget, celebration, and there are lots more of other things. Um, I know discipline doesn't sound like a really fun word to be used, but what a discipline is, it is a tool that helps us to know God more deeply and that he uses to mold us more and more into his image. A discipline is a learned habit that frees us up to focus about what the activity is um, actually is on 
and that's God himself. It's not how we do it or go about it. It's not that we can specifically, in relation to a quiet time, that there's only one way to do it. Everyone's different, and so what may work for you, you know, somebody else may do their quiet time differently, but the purpose is that we should be focusing on God and becoming closer with Him. So today we're going to be talking about the spiritual discipline of quiet time, and a quiet time is an unhurried time of the day when you intentionally seek solitude in order to talk to and hear from the God of the Word in order to know the God of the Word through prayer, the Bible, listening, and, med- and meditating on it. And we're not just talking about how to have a quiet, a quiet time, but a life-changing quiet time. There is definitely a difference between when we're studying the Bible to learn something more and when we're studying it to be able to apply it to our lives. Um, our relationship with God is what Christianity is all about. It's not about me trying to be good or good enough in order to, you know, do the things that I'm supposed to do. The point of following Christ is not simply getting to heaven, but to spend an eternity in a relationship with God. And he promises us that the time that we invest with him in developing our relationship will be a 100% guarantee of a life-changing time. Um... It's going to be worth it. It will make our relationships better with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers. It will make every aspect of our life better. And therefore, that's how we can say that it is ultimately so life-changing. God longs for us. He's jealous for us. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Um, for, the, for me, the moment that it really clicked about a quiet time, you know, I, I'd always heard you should read your Bible, and I did. But it was when I was talking to a friend, and she was explaining to me the study that they were doing at their church, and um, that they didn't really call it a quiet time. Okay. She said they called it a priority time. I thought about that for a second, and I'm like, okay, that that makes sense. And she said that it's um, not a quiet time. They don't call it that because any time that you spend with God is not quiet. And it should be about putting God first. That's the priority. And it's the one priority that will end up determining all of your priorities. Um, A priority time is a daily unhurried inspired time to read the word of God and to know the God of the word. And then I still remember the question that it kind of took me back for a second. But she said, who am I to say that I don't have enough time to spend with God who created time, who created me. You know, we all say we're busy or, you know, we do other things first or or whatever it is. And that really stuck with me. And then she also stated that a priority time is not just a spiritual discipline, but a spiritual addiction. It's like, okay, that's different too. And the more I really thought about it, the more I really loved that analogy because we have recovery ministry back in Florida. And of all of the people that I've talked with, you know, people that have been in recovery for years, 20 years, they still say they're in recovery because they know that it's something that they have to be proactive about and watchful for. They know that they can't um, do it on their own, that it's an ongoing battle. And um, it's just not something that you can just turn away from on your own. And so, as I thought about it, I mean, we're all in the world. And so, in a sense, we're all addicted to sin, or else we wouldn't keep doing it. And so that's why I really, really liked that analogy. Um, I've heard sermons on um, from different different uh, ministers that have uh, spoken on that, and so it's just kind of been something that has been reiterated um, over the years. And in recovery, if you're going to take anything bad out of your life, you have to replace it with something good, something greater, or else it's going to come back. And that's the same way with us. If we're going to take the world out of us, 
then we're going to have to replace it with something good, something greater. And what is greater than an addiction to God? So some of the reasons that we should spend um, quiet time with God, it allows us to know God in his ways. Um, The Bible is God's word given to us. It is how he makes himself known to us. And as we study God's word, we learn his ways, his nature, and his character. Um, It's important for us to know his ways because we struggle with the ways of the world without God. And God is the only one who can change us. It also keeps our ways pure. As we focus our attention on God and meditate on his word, we gradually look less like the world and more like Christ. It's not something that happens overnight. We become a Christian instantly, but it's a transformation that happens over time. And it's something that we have to continuously focus on every day um, in order for us to be like Christ. Um, in James 4, 8, it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So double-minded means being unstable, focused on two different masters, which essentially is God and the world. So if we're at church and we're trying to do the things of, you know, of the church world and we're serving and we're doing all that stuff that, that we should be doing, but then we go home or we go out, you know, out with our friends or if we are even even with our family members that may not be believers maybe they they are believers too but we don't have the right attitudes or the right thoughts with them then um you know we're double-minded and we can't really have any effectiveness as a christian if we aren't walking that straight line and um it tells us in second uh, peter 2 22 that the proverb is true, that as a dog returns to his vomit and the pig um, will also, once it's washed off, will return to the mud to wallow in it. And how often do we do that as well? Like we know the ways of the, you know, that we should be following of God, but yet we go and we say we're sorry, which we should do. We should, we should do that. But how often do we continue in that? Um, we should want to be completely new and did not have any dirt on us at all. Um, not only so that, you know, we can be more effective, but just so that we can have that right relationship with God. Um, a quiet time also renews our minds. And um, we're going to understand the scriptures more the more time that we spend in the world. We're going to see the lies of the world. We're going to see... Um, you know, the pull of the flesh and that the devil is going to be exposed and the truth of um, God is going to be eliminated or illuminated, sorry. Um, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. Um, So again, transformation doesn't happen overnight. Um, There was a study done, and um, it kind of likened our mind to like an etch-a-sketch. When I was younger, they were really popular, and... They, you had these two little knobs on each side, and you could draw pictures on it. You just kind of kept going over the lines to like make them deeper, the grooves. And um, and then once you drew your picture, you know you'd shake it, and it would return the 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 board back to the etch a sketch. Did I not say that? Oh, okay, sorry. An etch a sketch, and um, so our mind is the same way as what the study told us is that when we constantly, like whenever we've had a thought, it makes a a road in our mind. It makes a track. And when we keep having that same thought, it makes that track deeper. The same whether it's a good thought or a bad thought. And typically, if it's a thought that's tied to emotion or has some kind of something behind it, then it makes that track deeper because we have something to tie it to. Um... 
And so that just really spoke to me, the importance of staying in the Word and how we have to reroute all of these things that we've experienced and just focused on and focus on God. So a quiet time also firmly roots us when our lives are rooted in God's word. We are like trees um, grounded in his love. So in Psalms uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners that take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away, and therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And I just, I really like that, that it says, the one who meditates on his law day and night, that person you know, it says is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. So if we are like a tree planted by the water, we will yield fruit if we are um, meditating on him day and night. And the leaf does not wither. That gives me such great hope to know that he is going to be um, just there to rejuvenate and to, you know, feed me and fill me. Because life is hard. Um, the world, you know, isn't always good to us. Um, Satan is very strong and tries to attack us, and we need that from God. Um, a quiet time also helps us to discern God's will. Um, and as we grow in God's love and study his word, we learn to understand his will and then obey it. And there's a difference between God's overall will, which is, um, for us to um, to glorify him and to point others to Christ. That's his overall will. And then there's, you know, his plans for each of us, you know, throughout our lives. But, um, so there's, you know, kind of two different things here. But studying his word is going to show us that. Um, a quiet time also refreshes our soul, makes us wise, gives us joy, and enlightens our eyes. That's from Psalms 19, 7, and 8. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Even someone like me can understand the all-encompassing glory of God and his knowledge. Um, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, The commands of the law are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Um, A quiet time also protects and prospers us. So just in the very next verses of Psalms 19, in verses 9 through 11, it continues and says that the law of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold, and they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. So in that verse, um, in verse 10, it says how, um, it talks about how it's more precious than gold. Um, You know, how often do we get up to go to work, or to go to school, or to do things that we don't always love getting up for, but we get up and do them. We get up earlier than we really would like to sometimes. You know, we have things that we have to do around the house. We've got, um, you know, obligations and different things. But we always make sure to get the things done that we need to get done. And how much more so should we be doing that with the Word of God? Um, and then in verse 11... This is where the protects and prosper um, comes in. It says, by them your servant is warned. So it's talking about how warnings are for our protection. um, And in keeping them there is great reward. That's how we prosper. Um, It also uh, provides us power in spiritual warfare. 
Um, knowing God and his truth will enable us to ward off spiritual attack and resist believing the lies of the enemy. Um, and then in addition to providing us the power in spiritual warfare, um, which kind of goes along hand in hand um, in some aspects, but it enables us to identify and refute false doctrine. Because there are false teachers out there. There are, um, you know, there are demons that will try and get in our lives. There are, um, you know, Satan will try whatever he does, um, whatever he has to do in order to get to us. And, um, you know, we have to be ready for those things. And by staying in the word and knowing his word and focusing on him, we are going to be so much more prepared. So if we know reading God's word is a good thing, and we know that we should do it, why don't we sometimes? Um, you know, we're still in the sins that we're trying to get rid of, or maybe maybe we've conquered some of those sins, um, but the world's still there. It's still attacking us. Um, you know, a lot of times, I already mentioned, we're too busy. We have all these other things that life throws at us. Because our lives are full of lots of stuff. And not that it's bad stuff. We have families, you know, friends are good. God is good. We can be busy with the things of God, but still forget to spend time with him. If we're not spending time with him alone, and we're relying on our time, you know, going to listen to a sermon, or a time in Bible study with other people, not that those aren't great things, because they are. And there is great... um, lessons from those as well, but we have to be growing ourselves also, and, um, you know, really look at what your life is, and those things that um, you need to do, and the things that you should be doing, look at how that fits in with um, the things of God. Um, I have a, a friend who said, you know, she's like, I have time, I just don't use my time the way I should, you know, I have I have half an hour in the mornings that I could I could be, you know, while the kids are eating, I could be doing, you know, my, my quiet time. You know, but instead I'm trying to get some other stuff done that I could do later on in the day, or I'm just catching up on Facebook, or I'm doing other things. And so, you know, we just have to look at I'm not saying that um, you know, that you, that you do that as well. But for her, that's what she realized um, that was something that she needed to look at in her life. Um, and something else, too, is if you do have kids or you have grandkids or you have um, close friends even, for them to know that you're spending time in the Word, they're, that they're seeing you, you know, as, you, as your kids are growing up. I remember my mom reading her Bible. You know, I remember her sitting by her bed And, you know, saying, I'm going to go read my Bible now. I knew that was important to her. You know, I want for my daughter to see the same thing in me. I don't want to be, like, you know, I obviously want to take care of her and help her to grow in the Lord. But if I'm not doing the things that I should be doing, it's not sending the same message um, that I'm trying to send. Um, Sometimes we say we already know what the Bible says. So we don't really need to keep reading it. How many times do you read the Bible and something else sticks out at you? Because you're going through something else in your life. Or, um, you know, you read a different passage earlier in that week or just right before it. And some kind of connection happens that you just hadn't seen before. Or, um, you know, just all of the amazing things that God does through his word. Um, Sometimes we say, well... Other people aren't really doing it. So, and they're, they're getting by. Or maybe it's in relation to our sins. We don't want to read because, you know, we're afraid of really facing the truth of what we should be doing in our lives that we're not doing. Um, you know, we're comfortable in our sins because we're in them. Or they're the sins of people we know. Or you know, whatever that is. But when we're doing that, we're redefining what holiness is and not what God is saying. And so we have to be looking at the word of God. And again, it's not something that happens overnight. It is a continual process. Um, So not to get discouraged 
um, of that. And um, I already mentioned Second Peter 2, verse 22, um, but it's because of what we know. Like, it's because we just continue with the pattern of our lives because it's what we know. Just like that pig, after she's washed off, goes back to wallow in the mud, we go back to our lifestyle of whatever it is. And, um, or whatever we're not doing that we should be doing. Sometimes not doing something is just as bad as blatantly doing the things that we know that are wrong. Um, another reason is sometimes we just don't really realize how strong our adversary is. Um, earlier today, the analogy of a lion was brought up. And... Lions are pretty fierce. When they go after their prey, there's nothing, nothing left. And that hurts me because I think of the lesson yesterday. And I think of some people that aren't around anymore. And they're back out in the world. And I know how beat up they are and how hurt they are. And I hate that. We have to realize what we're struggling against. Um, And then this last point, it kind of really cut me to the heart in thinking about it in this way. I've heard this passage a lot. Um, It's in John 14. And um, specifically... 15 through 24. We're just going to look at a few of those verses, but um, it's because we don't love God enough. I mean, I know you're here. I know you love God, but we have to love God enough to put the things aside and completely away that take away from him. In, In verse 15 of John 14, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, I can keep can keep your commandments. Verse 21 says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 23 says, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So we see that if we love him, we're going to obey him. And that doesn't mean we obey him with some things. It means, it means that we obey him in everything. And that's the thing, you know, when you think about it. It's like, oh, well, I, I you know, I do pretty good. You know, we, we all sin. And, and I do, I, you know, I do the best that I can. And, um, you know, my sins aren't as bad as, as these sins. And, um, you know, we kind of justify it in that way. But that's not how God looks at it. He wants us to obey him fully, to love him fully. And if we love him, we're going to show that through our obedience to him. So when we're not obeying him, it's telling him that we don't love him enough to obey him. You know, growing up, I always hated when I made my parents mad. You know, when you get that reaction from them that you don't typically get and you know, okay, I really messed up or I'm really going to get in trouble, or whatever. And it wasn't that I was getting in trouble. It was that I knew that I had let them down. Um, you know, I don't want to do that to God. Um, I want him to say that, he, you know, that they will come to me, that the Father and Son will make their home with me. And when it says make their home with me, it's not talking about, like, oh, I'm going to, like, be there with you, and I'm going to live in your heart. No, it's like live in your heart. He's it like it's going to be our home, like their home sweet home. They're going to be comfortable and love being there. It is like the place they want to be because they long for that. And how can they long to be in a place that we don't want them to be in? You know, I mean that's that's what they want. And sometimes, you know, I think about well, you know, I've done this or I've done that. It doesn't matter. Like, they still want to have their home with me. And it's not that, you know, that we are trying to be good or good enough or whatever, like I said. It's 
It's that we're loving them. And if we're trying to do that and we're trying to obey them, you know, that's what's important. And um, verse 24 um, says, Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So that's just showing where... When I, that was the verse, like when, when I read that one. Because, you know, you hear the first few, and I just really thought of what that looks like in my life, you know, in other people's lives. Like when we're not obeying that teaching, what that looks like and what, what that's telling God. You know, I told my husband I might bring him up during the lesson, and, and uh, that was one thing that I was really thinking about is, you know, the times that I get upset with him, it's not that he did something bad or wrong. The things that, that I really get upset the most about is when he does something that he knows that I don't like or that I've told him before I prefer something, you know, like I'm trying to think of an exact example. But in his defense, he's a little OCD. He's a little ADD. So he doesn't always hear everything. So I, I do say things several times and try and make sure he listens. He's also older, a little more set in his ways. That was the one thing I learned in our premarital counseling. I was the younger one, so I better learn to change if I wanted to make things easier in our marriage. Okay. I didn't really realize what that really meant until I got married. And now that we've been married 10 years, okay, I really realize what that means. Um, you know, and it's his house. That's where he lived before we got married and all that, that goes with it. And his wonderful ocd that I'm so thankful for is what I tell myself. Because he does keep the house orderly. It's a different kind of clean than I would. But... My point is, is that it's when he does something that hurts my feelings, that I've told him already that it hurts my feelings, and that's, that's what bothers me the most. It's, it's not that, you know, he did something wrong. It's just that he, to me, that's telling me he doesn't love me. When I know he does, but it just, that's what hurts me more than anything. So, um, I love my husband, but, um, it just really made me think about how I, um, you know, do the same thing with God and, you know, he tells me things in his word or even through, um, you know, his people, the lessons that I hear and yet we continue to do things. Um, I continue to do things or, um, even as we grow things that we may not have thought were really a problem or an issue, we realized, okay, maybe I should kind of check this out. We need to, to visit this part of, you know, of our life a little bit more. So, I'm sorry. Um, so, um, sorry, this is from a different lesson, so part of it kind of... Is, uh, goes with it, and then I added some, some extra things into it. So um, we'll try and keep it together as much as possible on the PowerPoint. So we're kind of looking at now the actual application side, the how side of the quiet time. Um, you know, not just the, the how and, um, of the reasons and all that, like, which I feel is very important for us to understand the importance of it um, we, we need to look at that before we um, look at this. So um, the quiet is the important part of the quiet time. That's the quiet. And again, that's not God being quiet. That is our place that we are in, wherever that might be for you. Find a time that you can spend alone with God and it be just totally without distraction. And when it's unhurried, um, it says unhurried in the, in the definition there. That doesn't mean that you have to spend hours. That's great if you do. I love it when I get to spend lots of time in his word. 
but that doesn't always happen. The purpose of the unhurried is that when you are with God, you are with God. It is not, oh, I have to get all this stuff done or I have this to do next. It's that you're completely focused on him and that you're not busying your mind with other things, that you're um, unhurried in that moment with him, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 30 minutes. You know, I um, suggest if it's a hard time, you know, for you to focus and stuff, start with a small amount of time. As you increase it, um, you know, and you've spent time with the Word, you're going to want to spend more time with Him because you're going to see the benefits of having that, um, you know, life-changing quiet time because you're going to see how much it changes your life in every way. Um, Jesus shows us um, in the Scriptures that it was a priority. In Mark 1, um, 35, it says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And we see that throughout the scripture. Um, You know, he always makes it a point to be with the Father. I mean, he's the Son of God. If he needs to spend time with the Father, how much more do we? That's just something that it amazes me. You know, even in his most difficult times... He knew the things that were coming, but yet the example is always there. Before those things happened, he went to the Father because he knew they were coming. And so um, that just gives me, um, you know, great encouragement to know that it's good enough for Jesus. It's definitely good enough for me Um, because, you know, you see his example of his life and how he lived. So you're going to uh, find a time and schedule and stick to it, just as you would anything else in your life. Make it a priority, just like we saw Jesus did. There's other examples in the Bible. Daniel, he would pray three times a day. Um, King David, um, there's examples throughout Scripture, of, again, of Jesus. Paul, it talks of, um, you know, continually being in prayer with God. And, you know, those are all great men that we think of. And we see the things in their lives that they went through. They were able to get through those things because of God. And, um, you know, if we are spending time in God's word, he is going to make us into the men and women of God that he wants us to be. He's going to use us in great and mighty ways if we are letting him. And um, it says, find a regular time and start with a workable expectation. So again, that's just what I mentioned a few minutes ago. If you're um, starting out and you feel like half an hour, an hour is too much, start with 10 minutes. Um, You're going to see, once you taste the Lord, He is good. He is faithful. And um, now this is kind of when you're spending your time portion. Um, The first half of your time, you're going to seek God in the Bible. And the second half of your time, you're going to hear from and talk to God in prayer. Um, I suggest starting your quiet time in prayer to God, that you would have an open mind, that he would speak to your heart, um, so that you can seek him. And there are many different ways that you can seek him. Um, There are, you know, of course, you can do a book study from the Bible, different, um, you know, use different commentaries or study guides as help. I have a study Bible that has notes in it. I love it. It tells me all these great, I love, like, the cultural insights and the history and all the things that mattered in, in, you know, that time because it brings so much more meaning and helps me to understand why they did those things and why they said some of the things that they did. Um, A topic study. So just picking an important theme or concept in Scripture and studying Um, what different verses uh, throughout the Bible say about it. And um, another way is memorization and meditation. Not just reading it over, um, you know, but just continually thinking about it and seeing what new things that you see in it. And then um, your prayer life. You know, if you need to kind of write it out, organize it, however you want to do it. Some people keep journals. Um, they pray for specific things at specific times, like different days or 
um, you know, you pray for all your family on one day, or you can pray, you know, however you want to do it. But the fact is, um, your prayer life is going to want to is going to be what takes you from reading the Bible and the experience that you're getting from that, knowing God to actually knowing God. Prayer is not just you talking to God, but also you listening to Him. And so, um, you know, there's even examples in the Bible. You can pray the prayers of the Bible. If you don't know how the best way to pray is, um, ask someone that you know that that's, you know, really good at that. Uh, I read a book. It's called Praying the Prayers of Paul. And I really loved it. It just kind of gave me new insight to the things because it had all of his prayers together. Instead of, you know, spaced throughout um, the Bible that when I read them together, it just had a different impact for me and helped me to pray for people and their lives and my life in a different way than I had before. And um, just even a different type of Bible. I read a chronological Bible. It kind of put everything in history. And it was just really cool to see how God was working throughout all of the stories. Like we've heard God working within things. But then three generations later, you see something that was a result because of something that, you know, they had decided to do or decided not to do. Or that God had promised and he was faithful in. Or that he had promised and that we, you know, the people weren't faithful in. And so um, it, it was just, you know, really um, neat to see that over, over time. And um, there's also, I recommend... If you want to know more about Bible study, for um, you to uh, look into, Wes Waddell did a How to Study Your Bible um, session this year at Family Vacation. It's on the Campus Ministry United um, track. You can look on it on iTunes, and um, it's really good in-depth of actually like how to do a Bible study on your own. So um, that's something. That's great. Let's see. And then... We're actually going to look at these scriptures a little later. Okay, I'm going to do this first. So, um, so when actually doing your quiet time, you're going to observe who, what, when, where, how, why. Um, you know, it's more than just reading the passage. It's meditating on the passage and um, asking those questions. Not that you have to ask every single one of those questions or, um, you know, it's not about having the right the right question. It's just that you have to, um, I'm sorry, it's not that you have to answer every question. It's just that you have to ask the right question to, in order to draw the truth out of that passage. Um, a priority or cannot be done quickly. Because it takes time to really know God. So don't rush um, and just focus on God. You're going to interpret what's the context. Is there something that strikes you? And is there something different from what you expected? What is the passage saying? Um, You know, what is is God saying to you um, in that moment? Um, What is that application? which brings to the meditation and apply, where you're actually going to take what you're seeing in that and applying it to your life. So you can still use the who, what, when, where, why, and how, but for your life. So, you know, how does that um, overall picture of whatever it is that you just read apply to that truth in your life? Um, You know, when does it apply to who does it apply, where, um, all of those. So It's like when you study for a test in class and, you know, you try and get everything that you can, but when you're done with the test, you don't, you know, really remember everything. At least that's how it was for me. Whenever I was trying to, um, get whatever it was done or work on a project or whatever, um, that is typically how we study. So, 
that is not the type of thing we should be doing here. We should be continually going over things and revisiting um, stuff. The more that we understand it and the more we use it, um, then the more we're going to want to continue to do that and the more it's going to stick with us. So um, here it's just talking about, you know, in your prayers to God. And, um, you know, you're just talking to him like you would, you know, people that you know. You're going to listen to him and, um, you know, have that two-way conversation instead of it just being a monologue. It's about a relationship. It's not how you do it or what you say. And this is, again, I mentioned earlier, what's going to separate your quiet time from just reading the Bible. When you're going to be able to hear God as he's speaking through his word and you're praying those things for your life. You're um, praying those things for other people's lives. And if it helps, then follow a structure. When I was a kid, we talked about Acts. Not everyone's heard of that. Um, a lot of college girls that I talk to and even some adults are like, no, I've never heard of that in my life. Acts, it's A stands for adoration, C is confession, T is thanksgiving, and S is supplication or petitions, requests from God. And um, you don't have to do that. That's just something, if you need some kind of structure, it's something you can do. Um, but I will say, if you start out with adoration of God, it's going to put you in the right mindset for your time with Him and the things that you are saying to Him. Because a lot of times... We're asking him for stuff. You know, we're, we're talking to him about our lives, but, you know, I've heard several people say, if God were to listen to our prayers, he would think that the most important thing is people's health because two-thirds of them are typically because someone's sick. And that is a huge thing to pray for, but we should also be praying for other, other things as well, like our spiritual growth and other people's and... Um, just all the different areas um, that we could be praying. So here are some practical tips real quick. Because um, some, some reasons, some people um, give, too tired. <coughs> find, find a time that works. Um, you know, get up early. We get up, we'll get up early to exercise. Not because you really want to, but because you see the benefits of it. You know, hey, I feel better in the day. Hey, I help, you know, to just makes me feel healthier. It helps me to, you know, focus better, whatever it might be. Well, the same thing's true of a quiet time. If we are in his word, especially in the morning, that just focuses your, you know, your whole day on him when you have spent that time with him. And it just changes um, how you think about things and how you view things and how we respond to things throughout the day, too. When we've done that first, not saying you have to, but for me, I know when when I um, have my time with God in the morning, it does. It's just a completely different day, and I can look back over things and see, you know, I probably wouldn't have responded in that way if I hadn't had my time with God that that morning. So, um, you know, if you lose focus when you pray, write down your prayers, speak them out loud. Um, you can, you know, use something helpful like a pattern for acts for praying. Um, so you can, you know, if you have a house full of people, find a little place. I know uh, one of the ladies, she's got a, a little nook in, in a room, and she tells her grandkids, she's like, when Yaya's praying, you know, I'm talking to God, I'm reading my Bible, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't talk to Yaya during that time. It's like, you can, you know, have your toys, you can sit right there, but this is my time with God. And she lets them see her, you know, and she will be there for, like, you know, however long she needs to talk to him that day, 30 minutes, two hours, whatever. They, but they know, granted, you know, sometimes, you know, her, her grandkids are a little older, but it can be harder with, with some kids, but um, mine's much younger, so that would be harder. Um, but... You know, you, you find out what works for you. And, again, that's such a great thing for them to see, um, you know, that example in your life. And, you know, if you don't know where to start, ask someone that you know has a great um, prayer life with God or they have a great um, 
you know, relationship in their, their walk with God. Um, ask them how they do things. There's not a right or wrong way. And um, just pray to God that you will have the desires, you will have the discipline, you know, um, to, to do that. Don't be like um, James, in James where it says, you know, where we're just hearers of the word and we're not doers. You know, if we leave here and we don't apply anything, not because of what I said, but because of what God says in his word. And not because of the rewards it gives us, but just that he's a good God. And yes, we do get the blessings and the rewards that he has promised us. But that's not the reason why. Like, that shouldn't be our only motivation. Yes, we're human. And yes, that's a good, you know, it's a, it's a good motivating factor. But our love for God is ultimately um, what should rule out all other, like, wants and desires. And so, um, you know, if it's something that's not natural, if it's just kind of, you know, difficult to get into, you know, again, pray. Pray to him. Because it is hard to start something new. Um, It takes three weeks for you to become familiar with a new task and another three weeks before it becomes a comfortable habit. Many people never even make it past that six-week barrier of having a quiet time. So don't get discouraged. Continue with it because God is faithful and he will make you the man or woman that he knows you can be. He knows where we are, but he knows where we can be. And he wants to give us that life-changing quiet time. He wants us to be fully out of the darkness and into the light. So, um, it's just something that we have to stay focused on. Um, The consequences of us not having a priority time, of not having that life-changing quiet time with him, is that we're conformed to the world. We're conformed to his thoughts, to the thoughts of the world, to the desires of the world. We're conformed to all the things that we see. And, um, you know, with God and with quiet time with him, we are transformed and we can't help but spend time with him in his word. We're compulsively devoted to the habit forming, um, just substance of his word. And having a party time will 100% guarantee you to have a life-changing experience. There's nothing else in this world that can give you a 100% guarantee that your life will be changed. You know, exercise programs, diet programs, like, you know, even like self-help things, um, self-help groups, books, all this stuff, nothing is a 100% guarantee except for God. And um, in that, that is um, my biggest point is... Without him, we can't do anything. You know, we have to have him. And so, um, if y'all have any other questions, or if you didn't grab any of the scriptures, please let me know. And if y'all go ahead and uh, bow with me, and we'll go ahead and close out um, today. Dear God, thank you so much for um, your word that you've given us, Lord. And um, I just thank you for your provision for that in our lives, because you know how hard it is here on this earth, and you know, God, what you have in store for us. You know the the things that we're going to struggle with, and you give us ways out. Help us to um, just be completely devoted for you, to you, God. Help us to desire you. Help us to have the discipline to study your word, and help us, Lord, to have the discipline to help others. Um, I just pray, Lord, for everyone in this room that you would bless each of their lives, that they would have um, just a life-changing experience, that they would be mighty warriors for you, God, um, in your great army. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.